Then next weekend, I'll be at Brother Martin's church, and Brother um, Bob will be taking both services on Sunday. So just remember that. I'll be at Brother Martin's that was here yesterday. I'll be in uh, Lawrenceville with him, and Brother Luis will be with me. He's going to be interpreting for me, so we sure appreciate them. Appreciate Brother Luis and the job he did yesterday. He preached too. Brother Anderson's preaching today, so we appreciate these people behind the scenes that are taking over and... uh, and helping the ones that uh, that need the uh, interpretation. So, we, hey, listen, if we were in a foreign country and we were sitting in a church service, we'd want to know what they're saying. Yes, we'd want somebody to be interpreting for us. Yes, All right, so it works both ways. So we appreciate you. We love you with the love of the Lord. Let's give God a hand clap of praise. Like I say again, from Spoken Word Church, thank you for having making this a wonderful weekend. All the help and the work everybody did yesterday. The the taco bar, I think, was a hit, and we had a good time. Thank you all your sisters and brothers that helped with that, making that possible yesterday. So God bless you. Uh, Brother Joe will continue the service. We love you with the love of the Lord. Just come back and see us, okay? God bless you. Okay, so... We want to uh, recognize and appreciate our uh, Kenyan believers that are here. Uh, some of them, they don't understand English or can speak English. So I want to do something a little different for them. Um, Swahili. We're all going to learn a word in Swahili. And we're going to learn to say, God bless you. Okay? And uh, I had Brother Anderson to help me back there with this. It is Mungo Aku Bariki. So I want everybody to start to say this. We'll say it in sections, okay? Everyone say, Mungo, Aku, Bariki. That is, God bless you. Amen? So there you go. Um, I wanted to just uh, say that. And uh, we appreciate Brother Anderson taking the time to translate the sermons as they're being preached. He's in here. And uh, I mean, that's what we're the, we're the body of Christ, and that's what we do. The most important thing is to give the word to the believers. Amen. Amen. Do you love the Lord this morning? I think my mic, it keeps going out. Um, let's, sing, let's sing that course flow through me, Holy Spirit in the key of C, and we're going to ask Brother Colley to come this morning for a responsive reading. Amen. Do you love the word of the Lord? Amen. I tell you, give strength and life. Flow through me, Holy Spirit, flow through me, flow through me, Holy Spirit, flow through me, and as I live. this morning. Let's sing it like this this morning. Oh, live through Worshiping this morning. I-
Amen. Good morning, everyone. God bless you. Happy to be back in the house of the Lord again. Amen. I want to say a few words here. This morning, uh, Brother Darty's wife, she's in the hospital. She called and said, uh, Do you know what today is? May 21st. What does this day represent? She said, I have a 35th wedding anniversary. So today is Brother Daughter's 35th wedding anniversary. So <laughs> Amen. We're going to read this morning from St. Matthew chapter 6. Verse 19 through 34. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we are grateful and thankful for this opportunity. Lord, you have given us to come, to come together to worship. Lord, we thank you for your love and for your mercy unto us. God, you give unto us time and time again. Lord, you give us things that we don't even know we need. Lord, you bless us and strengthen us. We ask you this day, Lord, that the words that we read and hear, Lord, you will bless them that they become a part of our life. Lord, let us see how that we must grow, Lord, in your word, until we be just as you are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. St. Matthew 6, begin with verse 19. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon the earth, where moth and rust doeth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. For where your treasures is, there will your heart be also. The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thy eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness. No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore I say unto you, Take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat, or what ye shall drink, nor yet your body, what it shall be shall put on. Is not life more than meat, and that the body, raiment. Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into the barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cube unto his stature? And by taking thought for raiment, consider the lilies of the field, 
And yet I say unto you, that though Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore did God so clothe the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is cast into the oven? Shall we not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or wherever shall we be clothed? But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for tomorrow, for tomorrow shall perform these things itself. Sufficient unto the day is the thought. Amen. God bless you. Maybe see you. That um, that chapter, I tell you, it's one of my favorite chapters to go to. That God pays attention to everything we have need of. You know, um, we might not always have what we want, but He knows our needs, and uh, He's on time. God, we have quite a few specials this morning, so we're going to go ahead and uh, get to those. We will um, ask if Gabby and Rachel's class, uh, Sunday school class, if they could go ahead and make their way up here, and um, let's just um, sing that chorus, Can't You See Why I'm Happy, in the key of C, while they prepare for their services on this one. Oh, can't you see why I'm so happy, I've accepted Revealed word 
this morning. I tell you, you know, uh, we've been talking a lot and preaching a lot about that statue of the perfect man. There's a mountain to rise out of Jerubable, uh, crying grace, grace, and it's established in the earth, in your earth, amen, unmovable. Hallelujah. Let's, um, let's sing that chorus, uh, Learning to Lean, Nikia Velf, and we're going to ask um, Zoe, Kaylee, and cousins to get prepared to come up and sing their special. Learning to lean, I'm learning to lean, I'm learning to lean on Jesus. I'm finding more power than I ever dreamed. I'm learning.
something years since I've given my heart to the Lord. I still can't put my arms around that love. It's so great. You see it in our genetic code. You see it in nature. You see it in the stars. And how great is that love to us. Amen. Hallelujah. Um, let's sing that chorus in the presence of Jehovah. We'll sing it a couple of times in the Kia C. We'll ask uh, Brother Ravi and his family to get ready to come and bless us with a couple of songs. And uh, we just appreciate the uh, effort everyone made this weekend to happen and come up here to express your gifts. And it's the love of God. That's what they were singing about. It's the love of God in our hearts. We want to be around each other and fellowship one with another around the Word of God. Amen. Oh, in the presence Troubles they've had. 
just sing that last part of that chorus again. Troubles vanish. Troubles
There's no God like Jehovah. 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 join us in this chorus, song of gratefulness. Amen. Jesus, I'll never forget what you've done for me. Amen. Jesus, I'll never forget how you set me free. Amen. We all have something to be grateful for this morning. I'll play it one time and then we'll sing it together. Sing it out. Oh, Jesus, I'll never forget what you've done for me. Jesus, I'll never forget how you set me free. Jesus, I'll never forget how you brought me out. Jesus, I'll never forget no man. Sing it again. Jesus, I'll never forget what you've done for me. Jesus, I'll never forget how you set me free. Jesus, I'll never forget how you brought me out. Jesus, I'll never forget, no, never. Amazing grace. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch, a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now. I'll never forget how you set me free. Jesus, I'll never 
ahead and sing that once more while Brother William comes out. Y'all can keep singing as Brother Amen. William comes out. Amen. Jesus, you'll never forget, forget what He's done for what you. You've done for if you know God has done something for your life, sing this with all your heart as Brother William comes in. Oh, Jesus, I'll never forget how you brought me out. Jesus, I'll never forget, no, never. Amazing grace, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved the wretch, a wretch like me. I'll never forget what you've done for me. Jesus, I'll never forget how you set me free. Jesus, I'll never forget how you brought me out. Jesus, I'll never forget, no, never. Hallelujah, amen, amen, amen. Glory to God. Thank you so much, brothers and sisters. Aren't you so thankful what the Lord Jesus has done for you? We should be the happiest people on the earth. You walk around with, you know, you look around the world, there's so much sadness and there's nothing to be happy about. You look in the news and it'll make you depressed and what they call a New York minute. But we have so much to be thankful for. We have so much to be happy about. Praise the Lord Jesus. It's so good to see each and every one of you in the house of the Lord this morning. Thank you, musicians. Appreciate the worship service and setting the atmosphere for the word. And now we just open up our hearts and see what the Lord has for us. Amen. We had such a wonderful time of fellowship yesterday after the service. We'd again like to thank each and every one of you and all of you that was working behind the scenes to make that happen. The food was delicious. The, the, the fellowship was wonderful. And we just really, really appreciate it. We love you all with all of our hearts. And we'd like to thank uh, Brother Wade for having us up. It's certainly an honor and privilege to be here and, and speak to, to you. Appreciate the Sunday school lesson that Brother Bob gave us this morning. There's many things that he was speaking about that goes right in with what the Lord laid on our hearts this morning. So we certainly appreciate it. It's so wonderful to see the moving of the Spirit because the bride is a wonderful team, is a body of believers that all work together. And we all, because you know, there's only one big one among us, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. And God has called each one with different gifts. And maybe your gift is to sit there and pull on the gift of God. But yet you're there, maybe feeling like a nobody, but you're pulling on the gift of God. And these brothers are preaching and you're pulling on the gift. And you, your pulling ends up blessing somebody else. So don't ever think that you're not needed or that you're not useful in the kingdom of God. Amen. Amen. God bless each and every one of you. If you will, we'll just go right to the word this morning. And if you'll turn with me to St. John chapter 4 and verse 7. And as you're turning, just want to again extend appreciation to Brother Wade and for the liberty that he gives us when we come and minister and just what the Lord lays upon our hearts. That's yeah, because of my sister, he said. So thank, thank you. Thank you, Sister Monica, for, uh, <laughs> for keeping a good reputation here. <laughs> and Brother Bob, he, he does good too. Where is Brother Bob? Okay. He's in, oh, I see him in the window. God bless you, Brother Bob. Let's read in St. John chapter 4, verse 7. There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink. His disciples were gone away into the city to buy meat. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, 
Ask a drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria. For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him, and we, he would have given thee living water. The woman saith unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then hast thou that living water? Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well, and drank thereof himself, and his children, and his cattle? Jesus answered and said unto her, Whoso drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman saith unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. Jesus saith unto her, Go, call thy husband, and come hither. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said unto her, Thou hast well said, I have no husband, for thou hast had five, and he whom thou now hast is not thy husband. Now note here, she had five. She had five in the past. She was with one now. And Jesus was the seventh. Jesus was the seventh, and he was her completeness. That's it. In that saidest thou truly, the woman saith unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and ye say that in Jerusalem is a place where men ought to worship. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh, when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. Ye worship, ye know not what. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshippers shall worship the Father in spirit and, which is a conjunction, in truth. So you need both. To be a true worshiper, you need both spirit and truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship Him. God is a spirit, and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. Amen. Amen. Let's bow our heads before we are seated. Gracious Heavenly Father, how we thank You, Lord Jesus, for this opportunity, Lord, to come and look into Your Word, the very eternal life. Lord, there's many things we could be doing, but Father, we're happy to be in the house of the Lord. There's nothing else that we would rather be doing than to come in Your presence because, Lord, all the natural things of life that pull on us each and every day, they're so temporal. But, Lord, the things that we're dealing with now are of eternal value. We ask that you forgive us of our sins. May you, Father, move me out of the way. Use me, Father, Lord, as your microphone. Use your people, Father, as hearers. May the word go forth in fertile ground. May it bring forth fruit for your kingdom. We love you. We give you all the praise, honor, and glory. We ask that you please be with all the sick and needy. Be with every request, we pray. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. My wife and I were recently kind of going through the church age book together and we were reading this and it kind of just stuck out to us there in verse 23 where Jesus speaking said, but the hour cometh and now is when true worshipers shall worship the father in spirit and in truth. And Jesus said, for the father seeketh such to worship him. I've read this text many times and this is a very familiar text to each and every one of us. The prophet took it many times before the prayer lines were come in, but I thought it was astounding that Jesus said that the father... The Heavenly Father is actually seeking people to worship Him in spirit and in truth. We live in a day where, where God, in other words, God is looking for true worshipers. We're looking in, in a day, that's what's going on in the Middle East. Is you have the Palestinians and the Jews and they each, it's all about worship. 
The Jews want to see the temple, you know, go back up again so they can worship God according to the Old Testament. And they have their own ideas on that. And they see what Solomon had and they're trying to recreate it. But the Palestinians or the Muslims want to keep the Mosque of Omar there. So is all the contention and all that hate centers all around worship, what they think the worship should be. In Psalm 29.2, David speaking says, Give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name. Worship the Lord in beauty and holiness. The Lord is worthy of worship. And that's my title this morning is true worshipers. We don't want to just be worshipers because there's worshipers all across the world in their respective areas and time zones and things worshiping God. But we don't want to just be worshipers. We want to be true worshipers. Now, worshiping many times, you know, when you hear worship the Lord, many things can come to mind. And many times speaking in tongues and dancing and shouting and all that comes to mind and that is worship but it's not that's not all that worship is a lot of times worship is your amen to the word you're worshiping god you go to work or you you go home and you say god touched me those brother ryan testified on how somebody got touched and got healed of a stomach issue while the word was going forth or in church on wednesday what was he doing he was worshiping the lord he didn't have to shout it, he didn't have to dance it, but he yet he was worshiping the Lord by the testimony. There's many ways to worship the Lord. Sometimes you're pulling on the gift of God and worship. The Spirit of God comes down on you and you bow your head and you're worshiping the God and nobody knows it but you and God. And yet the blessing of God, the very, the very pillar of fire could be hanging right over you, ministering to you, delivering you, healing you, but nobody knows it but you and God because you got your head bowed and you're worshiped. You're worshiping God. So there's power and there's freedom and there's release in worship because God made us to worship. Because, you know, understand this as the prophet taught us, the angels of heaven, as powerful as they are, they cannot worship God like you can. He tells us that whenever we get on the other side and we're all singing amazing grace, how sweet the sound, the very angels of heaven with all the power, Brother Wade had brought out how they never call for reinforcements. Them powerful angels will be circling the earth with their heads bowed because they, in in reverence, because they don't understand your song of amazing grace. They don't understand that despite all the mistakes you make, Despite all your failures, God still loves you. Despite what a stinker you were, he still redeems you. And you responded to that call, so you've experienced redemption. So you can sing amazing grace like the angels of God cannot sing. The very angel that Gabriel that appeared to Mary does not know amazing grace. Like you know it this morning, Brother Luis. He was never lost. He never experienced. He, the only thing, see, worship is a choice. We can come to church and we can refuse to worship if we want. But there's something, when there's something truly on the inside, I believe with all my heart, that expression is a, that worship is a side effect of the Holy Ghost. Because when the Holy Ghost is in there, it can't help but burst forth, Brother Bob. It can't help it. The trees when the wind blows, which is the type of the spirit, the trees clap their hands and they blow. In their seasons, the flowers come up. They don't have a choice. God set that law in motion and it begins to happen. But yet we as free moral agents, we sit, we're souls, we're redeemed. 
And the Satan can come and make you in such a bad mood. It, you know, and if we don't come, if you come to church in a bad mood, you're in the right spot. Let's get rid of it. Because the Satan can come and crown you with a bad spirit and you come in church in the very presence of God, but we sit on our hands. So we have a choice. I don't feel like worshiping. We'll worship anyway. I make the choice to worship. Regardless of how I feel. Regardless of, 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 of maybe... You know, maybe I had a little tiff with my spouse this morning on the way to church, or maybe whatever happened, I choose to worship. And that is when God accepts your worship. Because again, God set the laws of of creation and things in motion, and they do it because of the law of God. The sun has no choice but to come up every morning. But yet you made a conscience choice to come to church this morning. You said, I'm going to church. And you're worshiping the Lord. Before you even got to church, you're worshiping the Lord. We should start getting our minds on the Word, getting our mind on the Lord. That is why we should be in the Word throughout the week. Not just from service to service, because then we come to service, and then God, by the Holy Ghost, will actually be in. You'll feel like He was in your living room. You talk about the Lord, you read a text, you have Bible devotions, and the Spirit confirms it in church. And that is God's confirmation that he was behind that. He dropped that in your heart. So worship isn't about feeling like it. It comes from within. And remember, we must have both the mechanics and the dynamics. There's people, there's people in denominational churches that the, the real, and we've been taught this, the real genuine Holy Spirit falls down and they're giving worship to God and they're praising God. If you were in there, you could feel the Holy Ghost. But they major on that, or then after that, the preacher gets up and preaches about a trinity, or preaches about Luther's message, or preaches some word of a day gone by. You see, they have the dynamics, and they can have healing and manifestations and speaking in tongues, and it'd be right. They have the dynamics, but they don't have the mechanics. And if we're not careful, we, God has given us this message, which is the mechanics, the open book. And if we're not careful, we just come and, not, and, and then we, ju- we just, it's just about the mechanics and we don't loosen up and allow the dynamics to flow and make it a reality to us. A reality to where the word that you hear preached then goes out there, you water it with your praise. And remember worship, and when you read the scripture, the order of it is that worship always went before the battle. And it was to give the army behind them. They'd carry the ark. The word went first and they would praise and they would worship. And it was to give the troops behind them the courage to fight. And here you can come and and you can feel pretty good. You come, you feel the movement of the spirit, you clap your hands, maybe, maybe a tear will run down your eye, down your cheek, but then you go out in the world and you have to, you have to fight devils. But see here you worship God and, and the worship doesn't stop when you leave here, but here's where you get the encouragement and you get the strength to go out and fight the greatest battle ever fought. So the prophet teaches us that the mechanics and dynamics like having money in the banks, but not knowing how to write a check. Or writing a check, but not having them knowing how to write a check and not having the money in the bank. But the bride has got both. The bride has that beautiful car, that beautiful Cadillac all studded and and it's wiped down and clean. But she's also got the gasoline in the tank and she knows how to move. She knows how to move in the spirit. The bride knows how to worship and she knows why she's worshiping. Because that's important too. 
It's important to know why you're worshiping. So if you can't find a reason to shout and praise the Lord and worship the Lord, then you need some Holy Ghost rain in your life. We go through seasons and sometimes we can go through a period of drought where we just come to church even and we just can't feel the spirit. Maybe we feel like we can't get our prayers answered. Maybe we feel like your prayers ain't even getting over the ceiling. But that doesn't mean we should stop. But that means we need Holy Ghost rain where the the, the stickiness of our carnal nature can unroll and it's actually a leaf. But it takes the rain. That is why there's them stickers in the desert because they don't get rain and they curl up. And they they have a sticky nature. And people, we can get a sticky nature when we don't allow the the rain of the Spirit to fall and let our leaves open. And maybe give a little shade for somebody. Because we know that eternal life is living for others. Eternal life is not selfish. The very fountain of eternal life, Jesus Christ himself, lived only for others, never himself. He looked around in nature and he said, he see, you know, he see birds going in their nests and he see foxes hiding their dens. And he said, the birds have nests, the foxes have dens, but the son of man don't even have a place to lay his head. He didn't even have a place to call home. There's not a single homeless person in this church. Now the word worship, because remember, worship is in the soul of a man. Everybody worships just because your friends may hate church. They're, oh, they're still worshiping. But they could be worshiping a, a, a sports star. They could be worshiping a movie star. They could, they could be worshiping money, anything. So the word worship is a feeling or expression of reverence and adoration for a deity. The worship of God. Another definition is to treat someone or something with a reverence and adoration that's appropriate to a deity. So something that belongs to God, but you give it to something else, you're worshiping it. You don't have to pray to it. You don't have to lay prostrate to it. You don't have to pay tithes to it. Yet, if we're not careful, because remember, the prophet taught us anything between us and God is an idol. And an idol is tied to worship. Now, let, now, let's think of how powerful worship is. In the beginning, aren't you thankful for a prophet that could take you by the way? But even before the beginning, before he, he'd make a statement, before God was God. Who can say that? Who can say before God was even God? But before God was even God, he said he was Elohim. He was self-existent. We can't wrap our minds around that. We can't imagine it. But I want us to notice because the prophet teaches us that the very first thing that God created was cherubims and angels. And they begin to what? Worship Elohim. So, Brother Bob, worship is so powerful that it transitioned God, as we call him, to go from Elohim to God. He didn't change who he was. He didn't change his power. What changed? Worship. When the angels and the cherubims begin to worship him, he then was, he didn't transition from Elohim to God because God is an object of worship and there was something there to worship him. Brother Ram said there was nothing there to worship him. He was self-existent. He was by himself. But when they begin to worship him, he then became God because there was something there to worship him. Now, let's expose the enemy a little bit before we go on. Because the enemy hates to be exposed. So, let's expose the enemy. Now, before time, 
Because we know that time started when sin started. So before Garden of Eden, let's say, because even during the Garden of Eden, they were in a sense of eternity until sin entered in. Before this time, there was a conflict because remember, where did the war start? It started in heaven, not on the earth. And there was a conflict between God and Satan. Brother Man preaches that sermon, the conflict between God and Satan. And that conflict and that war started in heaven. What was the conflict over? Worship. Lucifer was God's right-hand man, Brother Ram says. The right-hand man of Almighty God was Lucifer. Think about that. He was his right-hand man. All the archangels, all the angels, all the cherubims, Lucifer was his, his angel. His right-hand angel that he would depend on to lead the worship in heaven. Heaven is a wonderful place. Angels are led in worship and they worship the Lord. It's It's wonderful. So here you had Lucifer that was a worship leader. He was, Brother Ram said, he was the right hand of Almighty God was Lucifer, the son of the morning. The first God granted him almost co-workers with him. Think about that. Almost co-workers with him. He was a co-worker partly equal with him. Only Satan could not create. So, so, so Satan, so Lucifer at that time, before he became Satan, was a very powerful angel. The Bible tells us how he can transform himself as an angel of light. He was a very powerful angel, but he wasn't, he could not create. And no doubt in heaven, Brother Bob was, was, was teaching this morning on, the, on jealousy between Cain and Abel. And no doubt as, as Lucifer, as, as he was leading in worship and all the angels and he himself was worshiping God, no doubt there came a moment in his heart where he began to say, I want this worship. Why is all this worship going to him? So Satan began to desire and lust for worship. And he began as a worship leader in heaven. Think about this. It's not even fathomable, but he began to get jealous of God. He began to get jealous that God was getting all the worship and he wanted the worship. So his plan from the very beginning was to get worship and get it away from God. Now, notice in Isaiah 14, the mind of God through the prophet picks up, runs all the way before time. And he says, how art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down from the ground which did weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, here the spirit of God is going right into the heart of Lucifer. Of what Lucifer was saying in his heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mountain of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. But yet look at God bring him down to reality in verse 15. Yet thou shall be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit that they that see thee narrowly that they see um, excuse me, they that see thee shall narrowly look upon thee and consider thee, saying, Is this the man that made the earth to tremble that did shake net kingdoms? Yeah. Satan is just a flick. That's right. That's right. Remember in the scriptures, whenever that, that Jesus gives a parable about the great shepherd, how, how Brother Ram dramatized how he gets the, the, the lost sheep and he puts him over the shoulders and he carries him back. That's the strongest part of a man. But yet when he cast out a devil, he did it with the finger. 
Satan is nobody. He likes to make us think that he's like he's some big bad and, and, and you know and he and he's terrible and we can't fight him within ourselves. But through the blood of Jesus, he's conquered, he's defeated, and the only weapon he's got against us is a bluff. If he can get you to believe it, he's got you. So see, if God can only he's there was, I heard Brother Ram say just the other day. He said all the power of God is only limited by your faith. All the power, that's it. So Satan is nothing but a bluff. He's defeated. But if he can get you to think that he's not defeated and that he does and he can do this, that, or the other, then he's got something on you. Okay, now he says, but he was, the devil was kicked out of heaven. And the very purpose that he tried to purpose in heaven, he came right down here on earth and is trying his best to fulfill what he purposed. So as Brother Bob again was teaching this morning, Satan got jealous in heaven and he got kicked down. He got into the serpent, deceived Eve, got into Cain, and you immediately see the same jealousy in Cain at the altar of worship, just like you've seen in his daddy Lucifer in heaven. It was a reflection from back in eternity. Now it's injected into time. Same devil. Same jealous devil. What is it? Desiring worship. That's, what, that's why Abel, Abel was not killed because he worked harder than Abel. I'm, or I'm sorry. Abel was not killed because he worked harder than Cain. Because he had more money than Cain. It was over worship. Because his revelation and approach to God. That's what cost Abel his life. Now throughout the entire Old Testament, we're still exposing the enemy here. He was always tripping up Israel over worship. They came through the Red Sea. They just seen them 10 plagues on Egypt, delivered with a mighty hand. Moses goes up in the mountain to receive the word of the Lord. 40 days, they can't even stay pure. They've already, a molten calf, already worship, worship, worship. Who inspired them to do that? The devil. Why? Because he knew that he could get God angry. You see, he knows that God is subject to his own word. So if he can get God angry, then God has got to be subject to his own word. And it angered God. So Satan got in there and had them make this golden calf and say, this is actually what brought you out of Egypt. (laughs) Through Balaam, he did the same thing. God required Israel to go up to Jerusalem and worship, to bring their Passover. In the Old Testament, in 1 Kings 12, you have two kings. One was, I believe, Solomon's son. You had Jeroboam. And he had another one, Rehoboam, I believe, if I'm pronouncing that right. But they were both kings. They were both fighting for the throne. So Jeroboam, he looked and he was wanting the throne. And he said, you know, if all these people start going up to Jerusalem to worship, like God said, their heart is going to be turned to my enemy. And they're going to make him king. So I've got to do something here. So Satan inspired him to actually build up idols and altars so that on the way to Jerusalem... He can trip them up and have them worship there to keep the Israel from crowning his enemy king. We'll read it. And Jeroboam built Shechem and Mount Ephraim and dwelt there. First Kings 12, 25. And went out from thence and built Penuel. And Jeroboam said in his heart, Now shall the kingdom return to the house of David. If this people go up to do sacrifice in the house of the Lord at Jerusalem, then shall the heart of this people Turn again unto their Lord, even unto Rehoboam, king of Judah, and they shall kill me and go again to Rehoboam, king of Judah. 
Whereupon the king took counsel and made two calves of gold. See, it was a weakness in Israel. It was the same thing of what their fathers fell at Mount Sinai right there. And, and okay, so he said, made two calves of gold and said unto them, is it too much for you to go up to Jerusalem? Behold thy gods, O Israel, which has brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. And he said, the one in Bethel and the other put he in Dan. Satan will try and do the same thing in your life. You don't have to go to church. You don't have to do this. You know, here, this, this is happiness. Then people don't love you. Here, take this. And you see this, and see this is again, Satan tripping Israel up because Satan knew that God is subject to his own word. So what does the prophet teach us? That Dan and Ephraim were both removed. When you read in the book of Revelations, their names are missing. It was over this sin right here that I just read. It was over worship. Now we know they'll be restored in the millennium, but from under heaven, their names have been removed. Their tribes have lost their identity. Because of false worship. Because they refuse to worship in spirit and in truth. The Hebrew children were cast into into the fiery furnace over worship. It wasn't because they didn't pay their taxes. It wasn't because they killed somebody. It was because they refused to worship something else other than the the God of heaven. So as I said, since before time, Satan's always been lusting for worship. And in this evil age that we're living in, he finally gets his way. For a short amount of time, he gets his way. He's fighting for it from before time. And in this day we're living in, he gets it. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, let no man deceive you by any means. For that day shall not come except there come a falling away first. And that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God, or that is worship, so that he, as God, sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Do you see, everything that Satan had, he wasn't, Lucifer had, he was not happy with. He wanted worship. He wanted to be the God. He wanted to be God. And so God allows him to be the God of this evil age. And Brother Ram brings that sermon out. It exalts, he said, and when the church world would not have the word of God rule over them, they accepted a murder of Barabbas. What did this do? It exalted Satan. So see, when they accepted Barabbas, just the fact that they, Sister Zoe, accepted Barabbas, that automatically exalted Satan. You don't have to make two choices. They didn't have to, you know, exalt Satan in one way necessarily and then receive Barabbas. They did one and automatically did the other. So when you refuse the word and you don't let the word take the preeminence in your life, you're then exalting the world and then you're opening the door for Satan to have access to your life. This word is protection. The the, the blood is protection. Just like it was for Eve. God don't change. If it was her protection and it was Adam's protection, then it's our protection. So when somebody gets from, that is why when people leave the message, they open themselves wide open to Satan. They never become a better person. They never become a better person. Because this word is the truth and they do just like what Eve did. So when Eve got out of the protection of the word, that opened her wide open to Satan. 
If it did it then, it does it now. In Revelation 13, we know that Satan comes down and he forces worship. He literally incarnates the beast. The false prophet becomes the beast. And what does he force? Worship. And if people, and this is after we go home. That is why now is the checking up time. Now is the time to trim your lamps, fill them up with oil. If you've got oil, more oil, more oil, more oil. You've got to be overflowing. You don't want to. You don't want to just barely make it and have the door just hit you. Who barely made it in? You want to be able to go in with flying colors, and not your flying colors, but the flying colors of the of the cross, the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the only way to get in there. Hallelujah. So we, that is how to get in. Now is the time because what happens after the bride goes home, the beast will then force worship. And it's the same spirit that was in Nebuchadnezzar because if they, they refuse to worship, they're going to have to give their lives. If they are to preserve the names of the book of life, they have to give their lives. It's a serious hour. Many times we can come to church and you hear sermons, you hear sermons, and it just gets to be so mundane. Brother Wade and I were talking about Noah's sermon. 120 years, the same sermon. But one day, that door, God shut the door. God shut the door. So we, we see that Satan, when he came, when Jesus was on the earth, the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and Satan still coming to him. Last night we read the quote, Satan came to the prophet. So if he came to God himself, he came to the prophet messenger, he's going to come to every single one of us. So when Satan came to Jesus in the hour of temptation, when Jesus had not eaten, he was fasting for 40 days, he was at a very weak point. And Satan comes and he begins to tempt him. Satan had three shots at Jesus and he had to make every one of them count. He had three shots. And one of those shots in Matthew 4, 9, and saith unto him, all these things, he showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment's time. He showed them every civilization, if you love history, in their glory day, including America that we live in. Showed it to him in a moment of time. And he said, all these things will I give thee if thou will fall down and worship me. All of that, everything that Satan had and everything that he built up, Brother Wade, up until that time, he was willing to give it away for one moment for Jesus to worship him. Can you imagine how bad Satan wants worship? Why does he want worship so bad? Because he wants to be like God. Then saith Jesus unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. It was a temptation for Jesus to get the world, which he's going to fall heir to, but he, he's going to fall heir to it because he paid for it. So the temptation was that he get all of that without paying the price. Naturally speaking, imagine how tempting it would be to say, Brother, I will give you this Corvette right here. You don't even have to pay for it. It would be a tempting proposition not to pay for it. Or you're going to have to work for it for years and years and years and years. So Jesus was offered. But you know, it would not. I can imagine during that very moment, he thought of you. He could have all the world. He could have it all. But what good would that do? Because then he would be like he was back at the beginning. 
What would have been the point of all that? To have all the world. He already had the world. He created everything. He had every. He had the angels. They were worshiping him. Everything was perfect, but he wasn't satisfied because he didn't have you, Sister June. He wasn't satisfied. And then whenever he still wasn't satisfied because under the fall, you fell. So he had to come and he had to pay the price. Not half price. You weren't on sale. You weren't on clearance. You come at a very high cost. And he paid full price for you. In the scriptures, we find that there's a story about leprosy was because of, of the times they lived in. It was very, you know, dirty living in some ways. And they just, leprosy was very common and still is in, in very, very poor countries. And in Luke 17, and it came to pass, 17 verse 11, and it came to pass as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered into a certain village, there met him 10 men that were lepers, which stood afar off. You talk about social distancing. They had to stay away. So we know that leprosy is a type of sin. It starts just as a sore and then it begins to spread and it just keeps eating away. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said, go show yourselves unto the priest. And it came to pass as they went, they were cleansed. See, they took action upon the word. What if he have said, go your way? And they said, well, I'm not healed yet. As they begin to act upon the word, they were cleansed. Now watch in verse 15. And one of them, there were 10. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God. 10%. And fell down at his face, at his feet, and fell down on his face, at his feet, and giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan, just like the woman at the well. A, A degraded, a segregated group of people that nobody wanted. The Jews couldn't stand. Jesus answering and saying, were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? There are not found that return to give God, to give glory to God, save this stranger. And he said unto him, arise, go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. How many times does God do something for us and we don't even thank him? How many times does God heal us and we don't tell nobody about it? See, it's worship. God does something for you. God gave you the Holy Ghost. Tell somebody. God did something for you in the service. Tell somebody. Because then that gives them faith. That spreads. It's like wildfire. If you're not called to preach, tell how your fire got lit. Tell how your candle got lit. So out of ten lepers, only one had the, had the decency or had the appreciation to come back and say, Thank you, Lord. If he cleansed your life from sin, every service should be, thank you, Jesus. When we see how the world is acting and how they're dressing and how degraded they are, it should be, thank you, Lord. That could have been me. Because remember, in your flesh, we're no better than they are. The only thing that separates us from them is this. The blood of Jesus that's cleansed us. So God help us to always be thankful and to always return and give worship. Not just once. The next week and give worship. The next time give worship. When you're in your prayer closet, give worship. And not only give worship. Now hear this. Not only give worship 
after you get something, but give worship before you see it. That is where the true victory and even the faith is. Is give worship when you don't see it. Whenever, once you receive it, it's yours, Brother Bob. Once you receive it, it's yours. You then start giving thanks. Water it with worship. Water it with thanks. If you plant a seed, best ground in the world, most fertile ground in the world, doesn't matter if it doesn't get moisture. Your heart can be just as open as it can ever be. You can just receive the word as it comes forth. But if you go out and you don't water it, water it with praise, with faith, with thanksgiving, how are you going to ever be very fruitful? So let's not be the 90% that never came back to return and give God thanks. We don't see our prodigals come home. Thank God for them anyway. Thank God for their return ahead of time. And when they do return, praise the Lord, and when they do return, we have to be like, like, the, like the prodigal, like the father. He didn't start just scolding. What took you so long? You spent all your inheritance and you went all the way down there in the enemy's country and you were around pigs and all them things. With open arms, he was there. There's nothing more powerful than love. Not judgment, love. Because without the love of God, none of us would be here. Now, oil and wine is very important together. And we understand the oil represents the spirit and wine represents revelation. And the fourth seal and the quote, Brother Ram says, Now, as oil symbolized the Holy Spirit, then we find that the oil and wine is connected in worship. See, always connected in worship. We find that when you read the Old Testament, that Aaron and the priests... And the Levites, before they would actually go to worship and enter to the tabernacle, they had to be anointed with oil and dressed right and, and, and do things. But it was always with oil. David picks it up and it talks about how the anointing oil fell down Aaron's beard and went all the way down to the hem of his garments. Amen. Right. In Psalm 92.10, David said, In my horn shalt thou exalt like the horn of a unicorn. I shall be anointed with fresh oil. Amen. That's what every service... That's what every time in His presence should do for us is fresh oil. Amen. I've had oil, Lord. I've had oil my, and, and, you know, my lamp for 50 years. Well, praise the Lord, but how about fresh oil? How about a fresh anointing? Because the enemy is always coming up with fresh attacks, Brother Wade. He always finds fresh ways to come and attack you. So why not get fresh oil and get anointed with fresh oil? In St. John 12, there's that ill-famed woman, the prostitute, that took oil when she came to worship Jesus. When he was invited by Simon the Pharisee and, you know, he was sitting there in a corner, unwelcome, the unwelcomed Christ. But yet she came and seen that he had a need and she brought oil. And remember, Simon the Pharisee sent out that invitation and Brother Ram dramatizes it beautifully. And the Simon the Pharisee brought Jesus there to be kind of a joke and just so people can, can see him and things. And it was a half-hearted invitation. He didn't really want Jesus there. And he thought that Jesus came because of his invitation. But Jesus came for this prostitute. Jesus knew she was coming. When when the servant didn't wash Jesus' feet, he knew he was right on track. He didn't go wash his own feet. He wasn't worried about it. He knew that God had predestinated, that God had showed him that there was a woman that was going to come. And that's why he didn't move. He let her pour the oil. He let her experience the type of the birth right there and get messy. So Jesus came for her. 
Not for Simon, that Pharisee. When the Mary of Bethany took oil in her alabaster box and broke it and poured it upon his head, it was oil when she came to worship the master. Now, in the Old Testament, there's a story about the widow of Zarephath. Brother Ben preached a sermon like, Be certain of God, or Elijah and the meal offering, and all these things. And she was a widow woman, and she typed the bride of Jesus Christ. He preaches spiritual food in due season. And God sent her, God sent Elijah to her, he said, Brother Ram said, because she had the same nature that Elijah had. You know, later in the message, Brother Ram says that God makes his messengers with a certain personality in a certain way to fit the people. And the people to, you know, God has his way in everything. So in 1 Kings chapter 17, we'll read here in verse 8. And the word of the Lord came unto him about Elijah, saying, Arise, get thee to Zarephath, which belongeth to Zidon. And dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. So he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, a widow woman was there, got there gathering of sticks. And he called to her and said, Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. Let me stop there and say that, that drink of water he was asking for was a lot. No rain. For three and a half years. And he comes a stranger asking a widow woman for a drink. He was already asking a lot. So because she had the same nature Elijah had, she said, I'll go do it. And as she was going to fetch it, he called to her. He called to her again and said, bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thy hand. That was the last two things she owned was the water and the morsel of bread. No doubt when she turned to go get Elijah that water, she thought, at least I still have that cake. At least, you know, maybe we can at least survive a few more days on the cake. But then God asked even more of her. And said, bring me a morsel of bread in thy hand. And she said, she was honest. As the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake, but a handful of meal in a barrel and a little oil in a cruise. And behold, I am gathering two sticks that I may go in and dress it for me and my son that we may eat it and die. This was life and death. This wasn't just going to a church service and going home and going about our day and going about our week. This was life and death. It came to the wire. It's where the rubber meets the road, however you want to say it. It came down to reality. She was in the hardest trial of her life. Her husband, Brother Ram, teaches us, fought in the military, gave his life for Israel. And here she was, not understanding why she was going through this, raising her son by herself in the middle of the worst drought known to mankind. Three and a half years of no rain. It was not her fault there was no rain. It was Ahab's fault and Israel's fault. She was a believer. It's not your fault of the judgments that's on, that's on this nation. God has made a way of escape. God has made a way of escape for her, and now he sent Elijah to her. She was in the hardest trial of her life, and her and her own son's literal life was at stake. But she took the oil of the spirit worship and she mixed it with the meal which is the word spirit and truth 
She mixed them both together. The meal alone would have just been dry, wouldn't have done anything. The oil alone could not have made the cake. But you put the two together and you got a cake on your hands. She mixed it because remember, the, the meal is a type of the word. Every burr has to be the same. We've heard the prophet talk about this many times. To make a cake offering for a prophet. She was exhausted. She was discouraged. The prophet picks that up where she's praying, God, I don't know why I'm going through this. My husband, he was such a faithful servant of of yours and you took him home. And here I am with a starving son on my hands. She was discouraged and weak, but she still used the last bit of her energy she had to do God a service. In verse 13, and Elijah said unto her, fear not, go and do as thou hast said, but make me thereof a little cake first. That's an interesting word that she no doubt caught because if she said, if he said first, then there's got to be a second. He didn't just say, go bake me a cake first and good luck. You're on your own. He said, bake me a cake first, but she only had enough for one. So how can there only be a first when there's one? You can't have a first without there being a second. If you're the only one running a race and you cross the finish line, you're in first place, but you're also in last place. There's nothing in between. But if there's three people, four people, five people, then there's a first place. And if there's a first place, there's a second and a third and so on. So he said, bake me a little cake first and bring it unto me. And after... Make for thee and for thy son. How am I going to make a cake after for me and my son when this is the last thing I've got? She had to exercise some faith. And now here comes, thus saith the Lord. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, the barrel of meal shall not waste. Neither shall the cruise of oil fail until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. The Holy Ghost will not run out. The blessings of God will not run out for your life. The word, the revelation that God has and He's sustaining you during this drought will never run out. Because you use your time and your energy to worship God. Well, she had to believe the prophet's message because once the cake was made, she couldn't take it back. Once she made it and gave it to him, she had to have faith in what he said that there was going to be more. So after he ate it, she could go to the barrel and open it, and there was meal. She could run over to the cruise, and there was oil. Why? Because she baked him a cake first. She sought the kingdom of God first. She mixed the oil with the word. She mixed worship together. In the message, be certain of God. He says she got the meal, Christ. Christ is the word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. The Word, then the oil, the oil represents the Holy Spirit. She took the Holy Spirit, the Word, and the truth. Jesus said the time's coming to the woman at the well that God will honor those who worship Him in spirit and in truth. Many people worship in spirit and not in truth. Many in truth and not in spirit. He says, but when you get them together... Then you got something when the Spirit of God gets mixed into the Word. Because remember, the letter killeth, but the Spirit giveth life. 
So if you want the letter to have life in our lives, we have to mix it with the Spirit. But when you get them together, then you've got something. The Spirit of God gets into the Word. She mixes it together. And when you get the Spirit of God on you, you mix with the Word, something's going to happen. In another place, he says, but you take, put them both correctly in their place. There's a cake on the road. There's something in the making. You put them both together this morning in this service, and you've got a cake on the road. Now notice, whenever Elijah was at the brook, God told Elijah, I have commanded a widow woman to sustain thee. Now God told Elijah, I've commanded her. Now it's not a command like you you just whip somebody and make them do something. But it's, you know, I looked it up, it's like he charged her. He commissioned her to do it. But she had no idea. Here she was thinking the last meal I'm getting ready and God had already commanded her and she had no idea. God told the prophet, go here and I commanded that widow woman to sustain thee. One cake, one meal is not sustenance. It's repeated because remember the Bible said that he and she in their house ate many days. So whenever he told her, I have commanded the widow woman to feed thee, she didn't know it, but God knew what she would do. God might have commanded you. God has commanded you to be a prayer warrior. He has commanded you to be the manifestation of the word. Remember, it's not a, a just a whipping. You've got to do this. Some abusive. God is a God of love. But he's charged you. He's called you to it. You may not feel like it this morning. You may have a heart for the thing of the world, but yet you're elect. So God is going to bring you around to this. You may not realize that you are commissioned. You may still be the prodigal son. You may still be the prodigal daughter and not realize that it's God calling out to you. To take, God has commanded us to take a body change. He's commanded that of the bride all along, and she might not have realized it, but now we've come into the realization that we are the final voice of the final age under our messenger. You may not feel worthy, but it doesn't matter what you feel. It's what's been spoken over you. The widow woman didn't feel worthy to house Elijah, but God had already commanded it. And united on one head, united on one head, Brother Ram said, you might be filled with Elvis Presley's rock and roll. That's true. But you're filled with something. And your own life bears you record of what you're filled with. By their fruits, you shall know them. You're filled with something. You might be filled with a bunch of laziness, just too lazy to do anything about it. Well, you don't, he said, well, you don't have to be that way. Christ died that you might be cleansed from all those things. He said, God made a place in there to put himself in. God wants you to be filled with himself. What takes place when you're filled with God? When you're filled with God, you're filled with the Holy Ghost. You're filled with power. You're filled with love, with joy, with peace, with long-suffering, with goodness, with meekness, with gentleness, with worship. You're filled with joy. David said, my cup runneth over. You think, all of our cups are running over. If you're a believer, your cup is running over, but Satan can make you think that you're not, that, you know, I don't have this. Oh, if I could only be like this. Oh, if I could only do this. And there you are with your cup running over. David always had trouble in his life, but then he, he looked and said, my cup runneth over. I'm so blessed that my cup runneth over. And he said all that without the Holy Ghost. 
And I didn't even realize Brother Ram said here, and if David had a cup running over before the Holy Ghost come, what would it be now? Because remember, true worship is not put on and hyped up. What we do is we begin to meditate on God's goodness. On our way to church, we should begin to talk about God. We should begin to think about God. And what does that do? It begins to take our minds off the things of the world and the natural things that we have to do. And we begin to put our mind in, in a mind frame to come and we hear from God. And many times God can confirm what you were talking about in the car. Ten minutes before you got here. Right here in the service. But we meditate upon God's goodness. And as we meditate, he says, so when the spirit of God is near, what will take place? Salvation will be introduced. Salvation that will bring a spiritual worship. Not a singing of hymns altogether, but a worship in the spirit. So as an example, the, the song again I mentioned yesterday, but way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. As that song goes forth, begin to meditate how he made a way in your life. And then it's not just a song that you just sing along with the song leader. You then realize, God, you made a way for me. And then what does that do? It makes you lift your hands and worship and say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for making a way for me in that situation. Miracle worker, you think, my goodness, God healed me. God saved my loved one. God saved my parents. He saved my children. That was a miracle. I couldn't see how that could happen, but God, you did it. You're a miracle worker. What does that make you do? It makes you worship. Thank you, Lord, for being a miracle worker. Because then you worship him for being a miracle worker in your life. It's, you know, someone gets up and testifies and we praise the Lord because we give him all the praise, honor, and glory. But whenever it's something in your life that he's done, that's something altogether different. It's more personal worship then. <clears throat> when he kept, when he's, pro- he's a promise keeper, think of all the promises he's kept in your life. When he's kept you when you couldn't keep yourself. You then begin to worship him and you thank him for it. God likes to be worshipped. He, he likes to be thanked and appreciated. When you do things for somebody and they don't, they don't act like they appreciate it very much, it just kind of, it makes you a little bummed, doesn't it? But whenever someone appreciates what you did, thank you. I appreciate that. So how much more to God? He said God likes to be worshipped. And when you worship Him, he's, Brother Ram says in the power of transformation, it just isn't exactly singing a song as we do, but singing in the spirit of worship, you see. Then you feel the Holy Spirit bounce back. So when the Spirit is fallen, we worship Him in the Spirit. He's a living God. It's not like the idols, just they, they, the, the pagans, they prostrate themselves and they worship at night and the idol never talks back. It's never nothing. God will talk back to you. You feel the Spirit bouncing back to you. And many times that expression may be a shout. Maybe that expression will be nothing. It will just be silent crying. What is that? The Spirit then begins to move and is brooding over you because you got out of your comfort zone because you chose to worship Him. Don't allow the enemy to make you crusty in your experience and so dry that you can't think of a reason, a good reason to worship God. If you're breathing, you've got a reason to worship God. Because Satan will give, you, will give you spiritual amnesia if you're not careful. And when Satan comes and tries to bring up your past, remind him of his future. He brings up your past and say, well, use that as a reason to worship the Lord. When Satan tries to remind you of what you used to be and what you used to do, we'll say, well, that's under the blood. But since you reminded me, 
Thank you, Lord, I'm not that anymore. You see how you turn that back around on him? He reminds you of it, and you take that as an example to put your finger in his eye and worship the Lord. Because he reminded you that God delivered you from that while he's trying to to make you feel bad about it. Turn it back on Satan. You know, you think the wise men traveled for two years to worship baby Jesus. Two years for a church service. Queen of Sheba for three months on the back of a camel in the desert to hear the wisdom of Solomon. In the book of Revelations, and we'll try and bring this to a close, but in the book of Revelations, when Jesus Christ takes the book, the Lamb, the only one that was worthy, He takes the book. Let's read that in Revelations 5.8. And when He had taken the book, the four beasts and the four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb. Do you see the effect that the opening of the Word has? It doesn't make, it should never make us arrogant or puffed up or prideful. The opening of the word makes us realize and brings humility. And it immediately brings about worship. Having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, a new song saying thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof for thou wast slain. And has redeemed us to our God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. And has made unto us our God kings and priests. And we shall reign on the earth. And I beheld and heard the voice of many angels round about the throne. And the beasts and the elders and the number of them was ten thousand times ten thousand. And thousands of thousands. That's an innumerable amount of people. And, And because of the effect of the open book. It leads them saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. Worship, 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 worship. Because the opening of the word. the, The instantaneous, Brother Luis, the instantaneous reaction to the opening of the word was worship. Thank you, Lord. Not cut somebody down with doctrine. Not beat people over the head. Worship. Now listen, he said here in Revelation chapter 5, Brother Ram speaking, now this is the time when everything must be worshipped. He's breaking down the book of Revelation here. Now remember how appropriate. Don't let us miss this now. Listen close. When all the mysteries of the church age was finished, when all the mysteries of the plans of redemption, them seven seals was open, right immediately after this, now look, it's time. Everything in heaven and everything on earth to worship God. Now watch what takes place. And they sung a new song saying thou worthy. Listen what a worship that was. The elders, the beasts, everything fell right before him. See like that. When he made his complete plan. So when the word opens, it immediately brings us to worship because we see we can't be deceived. We see what Satan did. We see we're not going to fall like Eve did. We're predestinated not to fall. We're going to take a body change. We're going to come back and rule and reign with him for a thousand years. We're going to sit in judgment with him. Why? Because the book is open. The church ages did not realize that. But now that the opening of the word has come, we realize that. And what does it make us do? Worship. Worship the Lord. Because after there in the book of Revelation, in verse 13, it now becomes John's turn. John is seeing the lamb come and take the book. He's seeing all this worship going on and John can't sit still. 
So the prophet picks this up and he says, And every creature which is in heaven and in the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them, heard I say, and they heard John. It was his time to worship. He appreciated watching the beast. He appreciated watching the elders. He appreciated watching all the angels of heaven worship. But John wanted in on that worship. Just like when they're on the testimony on the sea, the disciples took turn, but they were they were itching. They were wanting they were wanting to testify. When's it going to be my turn? Andrew, sit down. So because I, I I'm Peter and I, I've got something to say. John wanted a turn to worship. When we get on the other side, it ain't going to matter. We get in His presence and we're going to worship Him for ten thousand years apiece. It's not going to be like you go to an amusement park and like, man, this line is taking forever. You, you go in the drive through lane, try and get a bite to eat, and the drive through lane is so long, man, you get impatient. There's not going to be any impatience there. There's not going to be any jealousy there. Man, that, that brother's taking forever. What's taking so long? I want to get to Jesus. That's not going to exist there. Because when I get there, I'm going to take my time. And when you get there, I want you to take your time. Because it's, not, it's going to be all about worship. During the millennium, it's going to be all about worship. We're going to see what he did. He's, he's standing there lighting the whole city with his presence. And it will be worship. When the prophet of God said, whenever you see a log cabin and you hear somebody sing amazing grace, he's, he's not going to be on the front porch preaching. He's already done that. Amazing grace is something we'll always sing. All of our past and all the, all the human elements of life is very temporal. But there's two things that God's going to allow on himself there as an eternal memorial. And that is the nail prints in his hands and the, the, the scar in his side. And no doubt when he raises his hands... And we see the nail scars. It'll always be a memorial for us to worship him. That's what it's all about. He created us for worship. In the book of Revelations in chapter 4, and and we're going to get ready to close, but it says in verse 9, And when all the beasts give glory and honor and thanks to him that sat on the throne who liveth forever and ever, the four and twenty elders fall down before him that sat on the throne and worship him that liveth forever and ever. And cast their crowns before the throne. What is a a crown a type of? Authority. Power. Dignity. Whatever. And they get all of that. And they cast it before the throne. They give it all up. Because it's all about the Lord Jesus Christ. Brother Ram used these words. He said, And all the celebrity of heaven took their crowns from their heads and bowed and knowed that he was worthy. Brother Ram makes different comments about receiving a crown of life and you know and all these things. I don't know I, I don't know exactly, you know, literal, figuratively, you know, all these things is it's it's still the truth. But regardless of what it is, we're going to lay it all down at His feet. The celebrity of heaven. You think about that. All the beasts, the ones that have guarded the tree of life throughout all ages, all the seraphims. It's all about Him. 
It's all about Him. It's not about the preacher. It's not about the singers. It's not about the who's who. It's all about Him. And to give you an insight, many times the preacher that's standing up here don't even want to, don't may not feel like preaching. Maybe they're in the office there yawning and tired in their flesh. But it's not about them. It's about Him. You may not always feel like coming to church, but it's not about you. When you think it's about you, that's being selfish. It's about Him. The widow of Zarephath, she wasn't selfish. She was about her son. That's what it was about. So the, the question I'd like to leave you with here as we bring this to an end, is He worthy? Is Jesus Christ worthy of all the worship All the adoration. All the praise and all the honor. Is he? So if he is worthy, then why don't we worship him? You say, well, I do worship him. We can all worship him more. And I'm not just talking about church. I'm not trying to, don't don't misunderstand me. I'm not trying to get you pumped up or, or, or to do anything. I'm talking about in your daily life. Worship him. Think upon His goodness. Driving down the car, think about how good He is to you. Because that will draw Him to you. Let our lives worship Him every moment of the day. When you're in your hardest trial of your life, like the widow of Zarephath, and you have no idea on on which way to turn and and how ends are going to meet or what's going to happen and how this is going to come to be or that, just worship. Yes. Let Him deal with it. Let Him deal with it. We worship Him because He is worthy. We should be the happiest people on the face of the earth. When we were just here a few days ago, we were visiting. Brother Bob and Sister Monica took us there across the street from their house. They've got like a little new shopping center they're building up and took us to a little English place with some fish and chips, they call it. And we were in there and just, we were, you know, a big group and we are just family. We are just enjoying our company and our fellowship and we are just there ordering and we weren't act, trying to act no weird way. Just be you. And we're, and we're just sitting there and we get our food and it takes a while because there's about a hundred of us. So it takes a while for them to bring us our food. So we're all kind of just sitting outside and we're eating and, and, you know, chasing little kids around. And right about the time we're about to wrap up, just a complete stranger comes up to us and gives us the nicest compliment and says that we look like the happiest people. We, we didn't end out a track. We didn't walk into the restaurant with a big cross necklace on our chest. All we did, just, just be natural. And the world is watching and they pick up very easy. And for every person that tells you something very nice, many think it but may not tell you. But you're a light. Don't forget what a light that you are. It's an evil day that we live in. It's a very dark day. And you may not think that your realm of influence is all that big, but it don't take much light. Just the slightest bit of light. And you light a place up. You light it up with your atmosphere. When you walk into your workplace, you walk on your job. You don't have to tell people that you don't use bad language. They notice that. 
darker it gets, the more you shine. So let's worship the Lord with our lives. Let's be thankful in our heart because He's done so much for us. He's so worthy to be praised. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. Let's bow our heads and talk to the Lord. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, Lord God, we thank You for these, Lord, moments, Father, in Your presence. We thank You, Lord Jesus, for all Your blessings, Lord. We thank You for Your Word, Lord. And we thank You, Lord, for what You've done for us, Lord, and how it just makes us want to worship You. And Lord, many times in our, the frailty of our humanity, we get lazy, Lord. But help us, Father, Lord, that the Spirit that's in us, Your Spirit to overcome this flesh, and even if we don't feel like it, worship you anyway, just because you're worthy. It's not about what we feel like. It's not about what we want to do. It's about you. We love you with all of our hearts. We thank you for this word, Lord. We thank you for this group of believers, Lord, that you've said, even as a church here in Lula, Georgia, Lord, to be a lighthouse. And you've stood upon your word for many years. And how wonderful, Lord, it is to see, Father, Lord, you growing, Lord, and just delivering your word to your people after all these years. We ask your blessings, Lord, upon each and every one. We thank you for your love, your grace, and your mercy, Lord, that you've bestowed upon us. Forgive us of our sins. And, Lord, if there's one, Father, in this, in this church this morning, Lord, that doesn't know you, may this be the time that they get to know you, Lord, in reality. Lord, maybe they have been a little dry in their worship. Maybe they have been a little dry in their experience. Maybe a little dry in their love. But, Lord, whatever the need in the situation, we're all so needy. We all need more of you. We all need to be rebaptized with the Holy Ghost. Lord, may your fire fall. May your spirit fall and give us exactly what we have need of. We repent of all our sins. We thank you for each one. We commit ourselves and life to you. In Jesus Christ's name we pray and ask all these things. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Come on, Brother Wade. We love you with all of our hearts. And again, thank you. It's an honor and privilege being with you. Amen. Amen. Good job, buddy. Thank you, buddy. Appreciate you. Love you so much. Musicians, come. Let's sing a song and worship for a few minutes. We've got a, um, some of our... Uh, uh, Brother Michael's group's got a song today, so we're going to let them sing that song after we get done. And and uh, just worship him for a minute. We don't have a second service, so uh, you all going to go somewhere and eat and talk anyway. So let's worship the Lord for a little bit. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> go ahead, Brother John. Oh, the more that I surrender.
talking about surrendering and getting you know getting getting all this stuff out of you and uh, you know we and we talk about worship really true worship because we worship in spirit and truth so we don't wor- worship frivolously we know who to worship what to worship and why all right so we got all that down so when we raise our hands when we confess with our mouth God has to come on the scene and honor our worship. He doesn't have to honor the worship out there, but he honors the worship of his children. He takes care of his kids. And then what do we do? Give back to him. We worship him. There's nothing else in this world to worship except the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the only man to worship. The only person. There is nothing else. Uh, Brother William and I were talking today, this morning. You know, but but it's a strange thing about God. God sometimes a strange, he's a strange person uh, to the world. But it makes sense because he said, he said, even if you've done this to one of my little ones, he said, you've done it unto me. So what does God want us to do? True worship is, as Brother Brandon was talking about, is loving your fellow brother. Loving your fellow sister. Loving somebody in the body of Christ. The Lord's telling you to do that before you even worship Him. Because you got to get right. you got to get that brotherly kindness down. We're fixing to head on to that brotherly kindness. And that's pretty rough because, you know, Sam, who, how close is your neighbor, Brother Sam? you got a neighbor that's pretty close to you. A couple hundred feet. You, you ever talk to him? Oh, wow. Okay, never mind then. Um, I'll use somebody else. Um no, I tell you, those of you that know where I live, I live next to two gay guys. They're 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 um, uh, homosexual. Brother Brown told us the Bible tells us we're supposed to love our neighbor yes. as we love ourselves. Listen, as we love ourselves, I like me pretty good, but I'm supposed to love them the same amount. That's the love of God. Yes, sir. It's to love them and pray for them, pray for the world, pray for what's, pray for what's going on in your life. 
pray for what's going on in others' life so we can bind together. And I don't want to keep you long, but we, we, we didn't take the offering, so as you're standing up where you can get to your billfold, we're going to let Brother Louise take the offering. He's a minister, so just make sure you... He's going to stand there until you give... No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Let's bow our heads. Go ahead, Brother. Lord Jesus, thank you. appreciate, Father, feeding us, Lord, with your word. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Father God, and let us take, Father, these things, not yes, just Lord. mentally, Lord God, but let us apply yes, to our lives, Lord. Amen. Let the people see, Father, the world see yes, our Lord. worship to you, Lord. Yes, Lord. Bless, Father, the offering and yes, Lord. those that can give and even those they that can. cannot That's give right, bless them equally, Lord Yes, God. Lord. We just commit the rest of the yes, service Lord. into your hands in Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. While he's doing that, Brother Michael, if you'll go ahead and bring your group up. You can be seated. Um, we're also going to... Uh, Brother uh, Anderson and his family are leaving Tuesday to go. Uh, I'm not going to say going back home. This is their home. But they're going to Kenya to spend a few months uh, with the kids. And um, and we we appreciate Brother Anderson, and we want to pray for him. We want to have him come up here, and we'll give him a prayer cloth, and we'll pray for him before he leaves. We'll do that. Also, remember, before they get started, when I get out of the way here, Brother Luis will be speaking Wednesday night, and also Brother Bob will be taking over the service next Sunday. It'll be normal service next Sunday, two services with, um, uh, we'll have Sunday school class and all that, and uh, I'll be at Brother Martin's. If you need anything, call, but uh, it'll be normal service next Sunday. And then the next week, we'll have we'll start with Bible study on Saturday from 6 to 8, and then, uh, you got to get them scooted over. Everybody get everybody saying. Got it? Okay. All right. Oh, 
Our youth, Amen. our young, our young adult people, almost now. So uh, they were little kids at first. So we sure appreciate them and uh, what stand they have. Let's stand to our feet. Uh, we don't have a second service. Um, we'll fellowship all you want to. We're going to bring the brother Anderson and his family up here. All the ministers and uh, and uh, deacons and elders come and we'll gather around. We'll give them a prayer cloth to take with them. They got to fly all the way to Kenya, so we appreciate Brother Boyd taking them down there too, so they won't have to 
have a car stuck down at the airport till we. luggage for free. I can't stand to be, have to pay for luggage. I just, it just bothers me to no end. So anyway, if things bother us all the time, that just bothers me. They make enough money off of me, they're going to they gonna tax my luggage. So let's sing a song now before we dismiss. If you have a need, we're still, the altar's open. If you need something from the Lord, um, like I said before, thank you um, for coming. Uh, I don't can't name all of you, but Sister Maranatha, I remembered your name again. And um, it was good to see all of you. Good to see um, Sharon and Sam with us. Hadn't been here in a while, so good to see you both. And bring your, your kids with you, and we sure appreciate it. Brother Robbie, always good to see you and, and your family and, and everybody that's here. You're not visitors. Nobody's a visitor. Everybody's been here before. So so we just love you with the love of the Lord, and we'll worship for just a song or, or so, and then, then we'll be dismissed. All right? You enjoyed the sermon. We enjoyed the weekend. Amen. Thank you so much for being a part of it. Oh, there's honey in the rock, my
beekeeper, and there's one thing about honey. You can be as careful as you want to be. You can walk through my honey store, and you'll have honey all over you, and you swear you never touched a thing. Honey just showed, right? Abby says, yeah, because, I mean, you get it on your feet. You get it, it just goes everywhere. And I think that's, that's the way I want us to be. Yeah. Let the honey just flow out. And if yes. you don't even see it, at least you get stinky. And you say, well, I've been there. There's been some honey somewhere because I can yes. feel it. It's all good and sticky. Well, I did something the other day, and I thought, man, I know I haven't got any on me. I'm going back to work. And I looked, and it was from right here to right here for some silly reason. But that's the way we want the Holy Ghost to be. We want Him to be with us, stuck with us, stuck on us. Listen, let's get stuck to Him. Amen, and we'll be fine. So let's sing it one more time as you're dismissed. Go with God. Thank you so very much for coming. Be careful on the highways back home. Um, Fellowship as long as you want to. Um, and the Lord be with you till we get back on Wednesday night. And those of you that are that are uh, from out of out of state, out of out of uh, the area, we appreciate you. And be careful and come back to see us anytime you want to. Amen. So let's sing. There's honey in the rock, You're my fast. brother. There's honey in the rock for you.